Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. After Netflix's docuseries, The Keepers aired, their world was flooded by the story of murder, sexual abuse, and a mafia-style hold the Baltimore Catholic Church seemingly had on the city. If you haven't seen the series, or if it's been a while, please go back and watch the series so you too can help us craft this series in a way where we can continue the conversation that was left a year later. You are about to hear a conversation Jemma Hoskins and I have with Sharon Schmidt. Sharon is the niece you heard from in The Keepers, who spoke about her uncle, Billy Schmidt, who lived in the apartment across from Sister Kathy and Sister Russell in the Carriage House Apartments. The documentary went out, The Keepers, of course. What did you think? would have been the reaction prior to it coming out what were your expectations it was interesting because in the way that they filmed the documentary everybody had their own sitting and talking and so as the filming was happening and i think i met with the crew at least three times i never knew what other people were saying i didn't know anything so i only knew my portion of the story when we were way into it and i developed a friendship with Gemma and also with Alan Horn, and I would spend exorbitant amounts of time talking to Alan Horn sometimes. And they started to share little bits with me of other things that were being discovered. I really didn't know what to expect, but I will say that when I watched the documentary for the first time, I watched it with a house full of people that I had asked to come over because I just didn't know what was going to happen. And I felt like I had two, two dichotomies going on at the same time. I felt like I was, it did not feel like I was watching myself. And I watched the story. I almost felt like the pieces of some puzzle were falling from the sky, if that makes any sense. A lot of it and the way the director put it together, I still don't make that connection. But once I saw it on the screen and listened to the details, it just, it gave me a little bit of relief. Oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. I'm not exaggerating these things. It is something. That's the best way I can explain it. Yeah, the documentary, the whole series, the series was brilliant, brilliantly put together. I can see what you're talking about, how they would have filmed everyone separately. You weren't kept in the loop by the director and everyone, what everyone else was. Once it aired, what did your, the people immediately around you, 
maybe friends, family, what was their perception of the document? Had they known that you were going to be a part of it? Some, a couple of my friends knew. And another interesting fact is I literally was going through a separation and a divorce and the sale of a house all at the same time when this was happening. And so I was staying with some friends temporarily. Those friends knew I was filming because that was the first time I was filmed was at their home. When you see me on the water, I met my friends. That's my temporary residence before I moved to where I live now. And so some people knew it. Some people in my life knew the story of the nun, but didn't know I was doing a documentary. Most people didn't know either. And so it's been a very thing situation for me as I'm out and about and it still happens. It happened as recently as last Saturday night. But for the most part, people that I've known, friends that I've had for 15 plus years, I had one of them look at me and she just said to me, do I know you? What? Mm. I mean, like, because it's just not something you go, you certainly don't go around bragging about it. You don't introduce yourself to a person. Hey, hi, my name is Sharon. And hey, this happened in my family. You don't do that. Mm. And so the world found out (laughs) along with all my friends to say it, I guess, as plainly as I can say it. And my friends have been very supportive, and my friends are just like, oh, my God. Some of them are like, how do you walk around carrying that your entire life? And I explain it this way, and I think I said this to Gemma the other day. It is my norm. It's shocking to everyone else. But it's Mm -hmm. my norm. It's the fabric of my family. It's been a subject of my family since I was eight years old. Yeah, but how are you so normal? You don't seem dysfunctional. I don't know that I am normal, Gemma. I'm not either. We get each other. You know what I'm saying? Shame yeah. not either. You know, none of us are boring and normal, but you seem like you just... I understand what you're saying because Shane and I have talked about this. None of us saw it until the world saw it. I had to right. beg to go sometimes when they were doing stuff that didn't include me. And I know right. what you're saying because none of us knew what to expect, but I just think you've weathered it really well. Because I, I have to... I feel like a shock absorber. I have to weather it the way I do to protect my mother. Because as we all know, we lost my brother in the midst of this too. And the one thing that I did do, and I have to give kudos to Jessica and Ryan, I asked them, if you decide to use my brother's recording, I need to know in advance. And they wouldn't tell me, they of course didn't tell any of us anything about the finished product, but mm-hmm. that Jessica did call me and she said, we've decided to use your brother's recording, so if you need to tell your mother, now's the time to do that. So they did afford me that opportunity, and I'm very grateful and very thankful for that. So I feel mm-hmm. like I've weathered it in the way that I have to protect my mother, because my mother was bashed beyond comprehension. And I know you saw a lot of it, Gemma. And yeah, I did. the things that people had to say and the way that they said it, that who throws their family under the bus and the Schmitz just want 15 minutes of fame. Let me just tell you something. They didn't live this life. They didn't live in this family. They did not live this craziness. We did. Mm -hmm. Even though we know everything we said is the truth and nothing but the truth, I feel like I have to constantly protect my mother from being bashed. Mm -hmm. It's just awful. It's just awful. I think you experienced it yourself. I did, but I wasn't in your situation. And I Mm -hmm. was just me. My mom had died not knowing I was doing this. And then right. I kept it. I kept it from her because she would have worried about my safety, not because I was right. involved in any of this. But now I think she knows all the answers, and she's not telling me anything. So that sucks. But anyway, right. so I, Shane, you're following what Sharon's saying, right? 
It's totally oh, Yeah. How is your but I will tell you this. I've said this a hundred times and I will say it again. If I had a crystal ball, I would not have done it again. I just wouldn't because of the way it affected my mother. How does she do it again? How, yeah, where's her head now? She's not so bad about it now because I don't question her. I used to question, I've questioned my mother almost every day of my entire adult life about this subject. And then when we were doing the filming and things were coming up and I was learning my, I felt like I was learning my whole family over again at 55 years old as we were doing the filming. And then after the documentary, it kept me up at night and I still have a lot of unanswered questions and I would just badger my mother about it. I don't do that as much anymore because I had to learn to stop doing that. So she seems to be better about it, but I know she still goes on the keeper's page and she still watches it. And I've begged her, please don't interact with anyone mom because it only means bad things just don't so she's pretty good about that so she's better now than she was she's so down to earth so charming so baltimore so just right. the real deal and it, it just breaks your heart to think that people were so nasty yeah and the other thing that people don't know i ha- i begged my mother i begged my mother to do the documentary i begged her to do it she did not want to do it and that's why i say if i had it to do over again i would not i, I just would i would have brought you my story but i would not have put it out there in the way that we did even though it's not that i so much regret bringing what i have to offer to light it's i don't i just regret bringing it to my mother it's been tough yeah I think a lot of people feel the same way, especially I'm just not, I love the way it was presented. It's just, I don't, I just don't see the story that way. I've told you how I feel. I feel that my uncle did it for another reason, but I think he put it together in the best way that he could, but he's got to feel good bringing this subject to the world. Look what's happening now in the Catholic church. And and I feel that his work is responsible for that. Oh, I do too. Do you feel like Billy's, connection to Cassie has nothing to do with Maskell? I don't know that it had nothing to do because the only thing that I, the only way that I can put him that in my mind, I can link him with Maskell is through the homosexuality and the drugs and the partying. I know my uncle and I know how he acted after it happened. And when I say, or my mother says he was obsessed with her He was Mm -hmm. after, and I did not know until after the documentary aired, what, May 19th on a whatever day that was. One one or two days later is when I got a phone call from the Baltimore County Police that they wanted me to come in. And it wasn't until that time that I, they wouldn't let me read my father's whole statement because they had interviewed my father in 1999 about it or 2000. They wouldn't let Uh me read the whole thing. But what the detective did tell me is that my father told them that my uncle was obsessed with the nun prior to her death and after her death. I never knew the prior. I never knew that. I never heard anybody say that. Do you think he was in love with her? I think that there was some sort of sick, twisted obsession. I don't know what it was. There are multiple incidences in my family that are not cited in the documentary that I don't know if you've heard them before or been told the stories of that involves a nun and just involves crazy stuff. And yeah. always my Uncle Bill was involved. Mm-hmm. He had some sort of sick, twisted obsession. Mm-hmm. In my speaking with Alan Horn and some of the shenanigans that I would describe that I grew up hearing about, mm-hmm. Alan said to me, those things are not surprising to him at all. Those are 
things that people who are abused do when they act out. And he said, my mom says Skippy was Catholic. So Alan says, if he was Catholic and he was abused and he's involved with your uncle and maybe he talks him into doing certain things. I agree with you guys. It seems like Bill had this weird obsession with that. And of course, you said that your father said that he had it prior to her murder as well. But we also know that Bill was gay. Yes. So do we think that Bill was actually bisexual? Or what kind of thing could, what do you believe is the case for? Well, I think that he, according to my mom, worked very hard to keep his life undercover. But I also know that he had a girlfriend while he was doing that and that they were engaged and she was a big part of the family and the family's life. And so I think, and my mom even said it again today, she said, Sharon, you have to remember in the 50s, homosexuality and babies out of wedlock were things that you would, you were not allowed to do. And he worked very hard to keep that undercover. To answer your question, he did end up marrying my Aunt Ginny and they lived what I think appeared to be a heterosexual life, but was he doing other stuff? I don't know. I don't know. I was a young adult. I don't know what he may have been doing, but I definitely know. I didn't see him kiss Skippy or anything. I didn't see the relationship, but I've heard enough about it my entire life. He almost sounds like a sex addict, to be honest with you. Wayne, not to take us off track, but Gemma, my, my Aunt Barbara said something today also that was very shocking to me. I've never heard her say before. When you ask her if she's met Kathy, and she was like, oh, yes, yeah, several times. Hmm. Same way she describes meeting her is the same exact way my mom meets her. And she's coming out and they're going in or they're going in and she's coming out at the doorway. He takes time to introduce his sister-in-laws to the nun. I just, I find those little tidbits very intriguing. Yes. And I know you don't know her demeanor, but her demeanor that I heard, she was dead serious. Oh yeah. She wasn't lying. I can tell you that. Uh I don't know. I figured she was saying the right thing. Yeah. It was interesting. It was just like no big deal. Because I was trying to let you talk and just listen to her. I thought she was wonderful with finding, with her, a few things that were new. But anyway. After the documentary went out, there was a lot of things on, could Bill have done this? So my question to you, is there anyone else in your family or around Bill's life that was murdered? In our ongoing journey dissecting real-life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates, but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey. As someone who's delved deep into the game, playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's Journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations. What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, the game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. 
and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. Okay. And my answer to that is yes. My great-grandmother was murdered. She was bludgeoned, and that crime has never been solved. And I grew up hearing that it had to be done by someone that she knew because she wasn't robbed. And either the person ate, she fed them prior to them, them murdering her, or they sat down and they ate afterwards. So That's what compared I to around the time when Sister Kathy was murdered, was this before or after her murder? This was after Sister Kathy's murder. Do you know how long afterwards? I'd have to look at the article, but I think maybe four years, three or four years. So not very long. And this is not Bill's very mom? Long. No, it's his grandmother. His grandmother. Okay. So your great-grandmother, mm-hmm. Bill's grandma. Yes, my great-grandmother, but she was the great, she was his grandmother by marriage. That was my great-grandfather's second wife. So she was the great-grandmother by marriage. Her name was Mary Christina Schmidt, but you guys yes. called her Aunt Christy? Christy, Grandma Christy. Grandma Christy, okay. And it looks like, because we, we have the article about the murder, she was 88 years old. Of course, her husband already passed away, so she was a widow. It looked like she lived alone. A two-story home, but the first, excuse me, the second story she had rented out. But two months before she was murdered, they actually had left. I'm reading through the article now. Has there ever been any question? Of course, this case is still unsolved, but throughout the years, was there ever any question on if Bill could have been involved or was there any questionable things? Just because Bill himself, taking out everyone's opinion of him, he's living in an apartment across from Sister Kathy when she was taken and murdered. So now we have another murder close to him in his family, his grandmother, who's murdered a few years later. Did that bring up any questions with you or your family on, that's weird, because for me, if this happened to anyone, let, let's say my uncle is living across from a woman who was murdered, and then a couple of years later, his grandma's murdered. That, I would be, I'd be questioning, going through my head, is this weird? But this is, it's not common. So what, right. you, what was your perception or your family's perception of this? I can say that in my family, it When I think about it now, so this happened in 73, so I would have been 14 when that happened. I don't recall my family sitting around and ever contemplating it or talking about it or trying to hide it like they did with Sister Kathy. But what I do recall of my family is every time I would mention the nun, and I've mentioned it my entire life since it happened, every time I did and after my grandma was murdered, the the immediate comeback would be, I don't know who did that, but I wish they would figure out who murdered Grandma Christie. So when I look at that from a 30,000-foot view, my family is equating the two. They're just not saying it. I'm the vocal one in my family. Like how they weren't talking about how Bill was gay and stuff. This was something that people didn't talk about at the time. Reading through the article, it looks she was found in her nightgown still. She was laying on a bed in the first floor bedroom. Her face was covered with a pillow. She had cuts and bruises on her head, and they said that she was beaten with an unknown object. One of the interesting things is it doesn't say the cause of death. So it doesn't say that she was uh, asphyxiated. It doesn't say that the beating 
is what killed her. So that's a big question I have on which one of those, because if the if they killed her by beating her with an object and then later placing a pillow over her head, that's mm-hmm. significant. Because to yes, me, that would be the person who did this knew her was, I don't want to say ashamed, but had a connection with this person. Yeah, that's, so what, that's what criminals, that's what they do. Face. They cover yeah. them. Like, it's a symbol of, like, love, actually. Like, almost so like they're ashamed I, of it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, honestly. I do know that she was bludgeoned so badly that she had a closed casket. That I definitely remember as being a fact. A couple of weeks before, somebody had come into her kitchen then and surprised her. And mm-hmm. she yelled, and the person ran out. Do you know anything about that? No, the only thing I know is when I saw the article, I read that for the first time. Okay. So I've never heard anything about that in my family. Okay. To me, I don't understand why my family wasn't outraged. Why weren't they outraged and trying to... Why were they not forcing someone to do something? I don't know. I just don't know. And that, to me, says a lot. Me, my mother would raise hell until she found out. What are the police doing? I don't understand why they weren't outraged. Who was her closest relative living? When she died? Yes. I'm going to say her son, because Mm -hmm. I know that we weren't really in touch with her. I hadn't seen her in years. Who's her son? I recently found out his name is Weldon Poole, P-O-L-E, but I believe he's deceased. My cousin Linda is doing our genealogy through Ancestry, and she's the one who found the son. Uh Uh-huh. So, Weldon Poole. And who was she married to? She was married to, you mean prior to my grandfather? She was married before your grandfather, correct? Yes, that's where Weldon comes from, and I do not know that answer. Okay, Okay. so we're going to assume Mr. Poole and your grandmother, and then your grandmother married your grandfather. Yes. Okay, and did they have any children, those two together? No. Who was the person that your grandfather or someone in your family talked about as typewriter? Somebody got hit with a typewriter. My father did that. My father said that. That's what my father screamed at my mother when I describe in the documentary. He was screaming at my mother. You want to know why I drink? I drink because we killed a woman and we put her behind the shop. And my mother Mm -hmm. said, oh, yeah, what woman was that? And at that time, he said, my father's, he said, dad's girlfriend, meaning my grandfather, his father, Fred's girlfriend. We hit Mm -hmm. her in the head with a typewriter and we put her behind the shop. And my Mm -hmm. my mother left on foot with my brother and I carrying my brother on her hip and trudging me through the snow till her best friend's husband came and picked us up about a mile and a half from our house. And then my mother Mm. called my grandmom and she told my grandmom, my mother was hysterical. And I was nine years old when this happened, Gemma, and I will never forget it. And every time I think about it, it feels the same way it did that night. My um, mother called my grandmother and she was hysterical telling her what my father said. And my grandmother's reaction was this, oh, for God's sake, he, they didn't kill Fred's girlfriend. Fred's girlfriend came to the funeral. I've always thought when somebody's drunk, they always mix a little fact and fiction. It's always a little twisted. So I think my father was confessing to something other than my grandfather's girlfriend. I think he was talking about Sister Kathy. 
And I will tell you, remember the day, the first time I met you and you showed, we, I showed you the shop and you showed me where she was found and all that stuff. Yes. When I yes. called my mother and I told my mother and I described that, my mother did everything but hyperventilate. Uh-huh. My mother just was silent for 10 minutes, just breathing on the phone. Yeah, was there somebody in your father's business, a secretary, who was killed with a typewriter? No. No. Okay. No. But when I saw the skull in the documentary and that round hole, I couldn't breathe myself. I'd never seen that before. And if you think about a typewriter and the knob on the end of a typewriter, it looks very similar. That's true. I just know what my father was screaming, and he was just emphatic about it. It was crazy that night. And you said he was drunk? Yes, he was drunk. Yeah, one interesting thing is you're right. When someone's drinking, they can mix fact and a little bit of fiction. Right. But who, when they're drunk, comes up with this thing about, oh, I murdered someone and disposed of their body behind the shop? That's not, that's completely not Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I was nine years old. It was snowing like crazy. And my mom just scooped us up, pajamas and all. And after, during the filming of the documentary, I was like, mom, why did you leave the house with us that night on foot in the snow like that? And my mother said, Sharon, because my husband had just confessed to murder and I wasn't spending five more minutes in that house with him. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery holding up? Mine's been draining lately consumed by the darkness of true crime tales. But amidst the shadows, it's crucial to remember to prioritize our mental well-being. Just like unraveling a twisted plot, therapy helps me untangle the knots in my mind. It's about gaining clarity, finding strength, and reclaiming control over your life. Considering therapy, BetterHelp offers a lifeline in the darkness. It's completely online, giving you the freedom to seek help in your own terms. And with a simple questionnaire, you can be matched with a licensed therapist who understands your unique struggles. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com foul today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash foul, F-O-U-L. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So what happened when your when your mom took you back? I don't remember. I just they probably I don't remember anything significant then. Just that my father was just a wild. My father not only was an alcoholic, he did wild, crazy, inexplicable things. It was just a crazy life that we led. I don't remember anything significant 
in when we went back. I know we stayed at my mom's friends for at least a couple of days. And I will tell you this, too, that spring after that happened, in spring after that happened, my mother and her best friend at the time, they actually went digging around. They went digging around behind the shop because my mother believed him in what he was saying. Now, like you said, that was your normal. Yeah, this is my norm. It's fabric of my family. It's shocking to everybody else. But to me, I'm like, yeah, that's what happened. I've just absorbed it. To me, it's just normal. As crazy as that sounds, and I know it sounds pretty crazy. (laughs) A question I have for you, Sharon, is with the documentary coming out and with what you have known and know about the situation with Bill, is there anything or any answers that you wish you could have or any small little hints that could put this whole thing and into a, oh, this is exactly what happened. I think the thing that monkey wrenched it for me is the story that Deborah Yawn tells about her uncle. That story is almost the same as what I can tell about my father coming home with a bloody shirt, saying they got into a fight. So if I could see a link, find concrete link between Edgar Davidson and my uncle and or my father, to me, there would be nothing else to answer. That, to me, is the missing piece because I didn't know Deborah Yan's story, nor did she know mine. Like I said, the producers and the filmmaker, they never told us she said this, never. And even in the documentary, when I asked Ryan directly, doesn't her story sound like mine? He's very agnostic and benign in his answer. He's two nieces saying their uncle's guilty. He never leans one way or the other. If I could find that concrete link... To me, I would need nothing else. I agree with you, Sharon. That's yep. frustrating for all of us, that one, because we have linked Edgar to Maskell through mm-hmm. James Scannell. Deborah says that has told stories, I don't know, over the years or in the past few years or whatever, of going to parties in the building where Kathy lived. So I could only assume that would be my Uncle Bill's. I don't know. So that would be the link. That would be the link. And I don't know that if she shared that with the police, they may know that. But I don't know yeah. if that's been collaborated. You know? Yeah, I don't know. See, that's what I'm saying. It's not concrete. And another thing, I think of all these random things that I've learned along the way. Remember when it was first said that they thought whoever delivered her car back drove with both feet? So I called my mom, and I'm like, Mom, did Uncle Bill drive with both feet? And my mother, she, without missing a beat, she goes, I don't know if he did, but your father definitely did. Interesting. Very interesting. That is very interesting. Sharon, and I know you agree with this, the easiest answer to why the car was parked where it was is that it, Billy had to get back home, and mm-hmm. if he parked it over there, like you said, it would take 10 seconds for him to hop across the street and then into his door. Yeah, It would be no big deal. Yeah, when you just look at those three things alone, mm-hmm. to that, without knowing anything about my uncle or anything that we've talked about, is she lives across the street from the person who's where she's found in that person's backyard, and then mm-hmm. her car is delivered back to where she lives. Just when you look at that, that to me, it it hardly needs any more explanation than that. That's just not coincidence. 
they took a long time to catch on, didn't they? Yeah. Remember when you told me that, yeah, they really, Shane, it was a while. Sharon was really like banging on their door saying, please look at my uncle. And they were. Oh, yes. They went down and swapped my father. They interviewed my father. My mother called them once. And then in the year 2000, they went to Florida and they interviewed my father. And my, my, they interviewed my father and they swabbed my father in the year 2000. That was the second time we called the police. And the reason we called the police the second time is because, just like I described in the documentary, I was standing at the sink doing my dishes like I did every night, watching the 6 o'clock news, and it came on about the nun. And I'm not kidding. I just can't put enough emphasis on it. I felt like my feet were nailed to the floor, and I went absolutely hysterical, crying, and I didn't know why. I didn't know why, and I started calling through my family. I called my mother first, and I was screaming, how could a woman have been taken to her dead body when Uncle Billy? It just made no sense to me, and I was absolutely hysterical. And I called my mom, my father, and my Aunt Barbara. All three of them talked to me all night long about it. just couldn't calm down. And I think I've always believed that I have repressed memories of hearing my uncle and my dad talk about it. And I've repressed it because I say over and over, I don't know what it is I know. I just know that I know. That's the only way I can explain it. And the way my body and my mind reacted to that news when it came on, it was uncontrollable. And I didn't know. I still don't know why. I couldn't tell you. And so it was at that time after my father died, after my father died, I said to my mother, I went to the police. And that's when they told me they had already done the DNA on my father. They told me all that stuff. After my father died, I went to the police myself three times. When people say, oh, we just wanted our 15 minutes of fame, and it just makes me, it makes me sad. Have you ever heard firsthand about Edgar being a cross-dresser? Have you ever heard any noise about oh, that? Ew, no. Okay, oh so God, I have been... Really? I was asked that question of, was my Uncle Bill ever a cross-dresser? And when I ask that, I don't, I can't disclose who or whatever. I just can't. But when I ask that, I was told because they were told that Edgar was also a cross-dresser. So well, that's how I believe there's a link. Because, okay. yes, my Uncle Bill did cross-dress. And you, both you and Barbara talked about, I love Barbara. Both you talked about the Halloween costumes, and everybody got all creeped out in the series because they thought that was really Barbara's attic. I was like, holy smokes, that was Hollywood with the nun habit up there on the mannequin. It was a very dramatic effect, though, I have to say. Oh, I know it was. I know it was. (laughs) But we were like, no, that's not really their house. That's not really their house. But if we wore that, and Skippy was dressed as a, we know that they were frequenting gay bars and it's not unusual, I think. But I'd never heard that about Edgar. Yeah, That's so I think, I think that is the link. I think there's uh-huh. a gay side to Edgar and I mm-hmm. think that is the link to him and my uncle. I'm uh-huh. still not convinced until Deborah yawns gave her story, I will say that gives me pause and that does now screw me up a little bit in what I've always believed what happened. Her story matches the story my father told. There's no denying that. So Mm -hmm. I do believe that Edgar has to be involved in some fashion. Oh, now was he? Totally. I said he was, I think he was part of the cleanup crew. Yeah. See, you pretty much believe that she was murdered because of what she knew. Yes, I do. That's what you believe, right? 
Yes, I do. Okay. Too much and see, I don't believe that. I believe she was okay. murdered because my uncle was sick and twisted. Could have been you a know, combination of both. Because could have been a combination of both. If Maskell right. knew your brother, and Maskell frequented some crazy places, Chair, mm-hmm. like some really weird places downtown. There, there was one bar on the east side of Baltimore. I forgot what it was called, but it was free. Well, my mom life. mentioned a bar to called Cicero's, and I had never heard that That's before. My mom was like, oh, my God, they hung out in Cicero's. Yeah. And That's I told Alan that one day. Yeah, and within 20 minutes, Alan called me back. He's, okay, here's what happened at Cicero's. It was known for heroin, homosexuality, and it burned down. And the other thing I I do this in 20 minutes. Right. The other thing I can tell you is that Mimi DiPietro, who is, there's question marks about his involvement in some of this stuff, was the, he was the councilman or whatever, the legislator that kept it from being closed. It was supposed mm. to be closed and mm. lose their license because there was a lot of really dangerous stuff going on in there. It was like a really mm-hmm. rough crowd, a lot of gay men. Mm-hmm. Homosexuality mm-hmm. was one thing. That's not, that's right. That's the kind of thing where the victims are themselves, but there was a lot of other dangerous stuff going on, like with weapons and drugs. And he kept it from being closed down. So for some reason, he wanted that place to stay open. And I think it's significant. And I do think it is likely that Maskell may have frequented somewhere like that. I think Maskell mm-hmm. knew a lot of thugs and would have been able mm-hmm. to find people to pay to do the work mm-hmm. he wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. I think he always had cash and he always had drugs. So he definitely had resources, cops, politicians, whatever. They were all taking care of each other. But yeah, I would see, I would love to know more about that part of it. The other thing that can be viewed like a link is, remember, I don't think you were there that day, but Abby was filming with me and we were standing in the parking lot of my Uncle Bill's apartment. And that's when she told me that Edgar had gotten arrested, like 150 yards is the school. So how coincidental Mm -hmm. is that? He's picking up kids at the school. So he could have been picking up girls or boys or whatever, and taking them back to my uncle's apartment. It's well, right there. I guess, yeah, I know a girl that he picked up, and she lived across the street. She didn't go to Keo, but and she was in the eighth grade. She wasn't at the middle school yet, but she said she had very poor boundaries, and she actually got in the car with Edgar and mm-hmm. rode around the neighborhood with him, and then she said it was like the cool thing to do to get in cars with strange boys and ride around the neighborhood. I'm like mm. thinking, okay, I never did that. But anyway, yeah, he was, he frequently was riding around that school. It doesn't surprise me if they knew each other. That's what I'm saying. And you look at how many ways their paths crossed, but you can't exactly yeah. put them together. I know. It's got, there's got to be a link. There has to be.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.